Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast. This free podcast is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation through the donate button on the website to help us offer unique audio, video, and text-based teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Michael's teaching bridges the gap between inner healing and social change by synthesizing traditional spiritual teachings with the insights of the West. To learn about Michael's international retreats and workshops, please visit michaelstoneteaching.com. Thank you for your support. I'd like to try and cover just a little bit more today. And um, we only have a half an hour left. And then uh, tomorrow we'll do a little bit less and do some other things. So before we continue, I invite you just to check in with your body and your breathing. to be in the room here as an embodied person. And to let this be a time of uh, reflection. Let's look at line three, four, five, and six of the Dhammapada. He insulted me. He hit me. He beat me. He robbed me. For those who can't let go of this, hostility is not stilled. He insulted me. He hit me. He beat me. He robbed me. For those who don't brood on this, hostility is stilled. Hostilities aren't stilled through hostility, no matter what. That's a famous sentence. Hostility is not stilled through hostility, no matter what. Hostility is only stilled through non-hostility. This is an unending truth. Unlike those who don't realize that we're here on the verge of death, those who do, their quarrels are stilled. So, he's saying uh, two different things here. It's worth unpacking both of them. He hit me. He hurt me. He insulted me. He was unkind to me. Or maybe there's other ways we say it. The government's fucked. Has anybody said this? (laughs) Politicians can't be trusted. Have you said this? 
My parents did such and such a thing to me. My mom was not tuned in. My father was not around enough. All these stories, right? So on the one hand, all these stories are true. They form part of who we are. And they influence our perception because they form part of who we are. But the Buddha is pushing us here also to notice how when we keep on with stories of resentment, uh, we're hanging on to the past. And if you hang on to the past in this way, and there's resentment in your heart, right? remember we were talking about clarity of the heart, and there's resentment that you're holding on to, well, it's going to influence the beginning of each moment. And it's going to always... Uh, be the filter through which you experience each moment. And this will create hostility in you. I don't know about you, but I think all of us, we harbor old conflict and old trouble from the past. And sometimes we, we blame it on other people so strongly. And it's really, really important that we have the ability to take our projections of negativity onto other people and eat them. Literally. To swallow them. To extract them from the other person. The worst part about being a teacher is you get bashed around a lot by people's projections. It's called praise and blame. Usually the people who really, really like you after a few years are the same people who like really hate you. <laughs> and that's okay. They have to work that out. But the only way they can work it out is if when they're really, really loving you, they see, oh, this is a little bit strong. <laughs> Or when they really, really hate you, they say, oh, this is a little bit strong. And then they look at how when there's a really strong um, projection, you're just projecting something of you into the other person. Now, I want to say that there's something about this that's really healthy. If you're a musician and you play um, trumpet, when you hear Miles Davis, you should want to be like that, right? When you're uh, doing a practice and you meet somebody who's really deep in their practice. I remember as a kid, the first time I ever saw a monk. And it was like it seared itself into my brain. It was so outside of anything I had seen. Someone who was doing something with their life that wasn't in the model that I had ever seen in my neighborhood. It was so inspiring, actually. So, um, maybe that's why everybody puts a picture of the Dalai Lama in, on their fridge. Because there's something he represents, right? But the thing he represents is something in you. Right? So this is a positive kind of projection, right?
But when you only see it in them, and you can't find it in yourself, then there's trouble. When you only are so negative towards someone, and you can't see it in yourself, then you need to find a way to chill out. And, and, and reel in the projection and pull it back. Yeah. There's a test, very common Yeah. <clears throat> I use a tool um, which I call, instead of two step downs, three step downs. Instead of saying you say something, you do something, yeah. then it upsets me. Yeah. I say you say something, then I interpret it in a certain way. That upsets me. Yeah. So if I interpret it in a different way, uh-huh. it changes what what result on the way yeah. I feel. Yeah. Like, for instance, you know you're on a motorway and somebody cuts in front of you and you get very upset because he's very stupid. And, yeah. you know, you, and nothing changes in him. Yeah. But if you change the picture of him, at least he's been called from hospital, that his son is there, very right. ill, yeah. instead of getting very hostile. Yeah. You waste everybody moves, so you yeah. go to the sun. Yeah. So if you change it, instead of this two step dance, I call it three step. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Maybe we can work together on the next chart. <laughs> It'll be a chart just for being cut off. <laughs> Michael, did you have your hand up before? Did, did you still want to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry that I forgot. I'm sorry I forgot about you, Michael. (laughs) Um, Hostility is not stilled through hostility, no matter what. When there's hostility, you can't meet it with hostility, no matter what. This is an unending truth. Unlike those who don't realize that we're here on the verge of perishing, those who do, their quarrels are stilled. Not a very good translation. Basically what it means is, wake up, you're going to die. Okay? And when you are contemplating the importance of withdrawing projection, the importance of letting go of resentment, the importance of healing your heart, the importance of having kindness for yourself, keep also in mind, that you're going to die. Because if you don't have the death piece, then there's no motivation for like really doing something. Right? You want to do something because when you die, you don't want to die with resentment in your heart. We want to die with a pure heart. And then, you want to die with a pure heart becomes the motivation for you want to have a pure heart. (laughs) But at first you kind of need the story of, well, when I die, I want to have a pure heart. So you start working to purify your heart, only to realize it has nothing to do with when you die. That's just a story to get you going, like nirvana. It's a story to get you going. But it's not about that, really. So one way to do this is um, to notice where you have some trouble 
and to bring some loving kindness there. Does everybody know the chant we do at the end of the day? Does anybody remember the chant? Life and death. Uh, life and death are of supreme importance. Time passes swiftly and opportunity is lost. Let us awaken. Awaken. Do not squander your life. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be safe and free from danger. May all beings be free from their ancient and twisted habits. May all beings be free from every form of suffering. And may our troops realize wisdom and compassion. So you just take one of those sentences. Just one. Um, may you be safe and free from danger. And you pick somebody and when you're in meditation practice, the whole practice, you keep saying the one sentence again and again and again. You should try this. So don't try it with someone you don't like. First try it with someone you really like. So this is usually how it's taught. Someone you really like you sit and for 30 minutes you follow your breath and you keep saying, may you be safe and free from danger. May you be safe and free from danger. And it really starts to open up your heart. And once you can do that, then you try it with a neutral person. A, a good person to choose is the person who made you an espresso today. Hmm. You don't feel one way or another about them. Unless you feel one way or another. <laughs> And <laughs> Lou is like rolling her eyes. <laughs> this is the most important person in my life. <laughs> um, uh, where was I? <laughs> and then you practice to that person. May you be safe and free. And then you practice it with someone you don't like. And then the hardest one. Do you know what the hardest one is? You do it to yourself. May you be free of suffering. You say this again and again to yourself. May you be free of suffering. May you be free of suffering. May you be free of suffering. Again and again and again. With your breathing. May you be free of suffering. And something starts to open. And then you're meeting all the hostile energies that might be in your heart with non-hostility. Remember I was saying yesterday... You, you meet the energy of tension with an energy that doesn't escalate, but an energy that de-escalates. I have a book coming out in two weeks called Family Wakes Us Up. And my friend Matthew Remsky, does everybody know Matthew? You should... You should follow him online. He's the smartest person ever. <laughs> I really mean that. He's so smart. <laughs> Anyways, he's a, a really close friend of mine. And um, when our partners were both pregnant, well, when we found out our partners were pregnant, we emailed each other. We couldn't believe our partners were pregnant at the same time. And, uh, which was very funny, because Matthew and I both had been in previous relationships where there was a kid. 
And we both split up at the same time. And then, one day, I was on the street and I saw Matthew. And then, this is a true story, and then I saw another friend of mine, Alex, this woman, Alex, who I had known for quite a few years. And I turned to Karina and I said, Karina, Matthew and Alex are going to get together. (laughs) And this happened like two months later. And someone said, you're never going to believe this. Matthew and... (laughs) Anyways, uh, then we both found out that he found out that Karina, uh, Alex was pregnant and I found out Karina was pregnant, but all at the same time. So we started writing emails to each other uh, almost every day. And uh, so we're publishing these emails um, about uh, everything. You can't imagine what's in this book. It's kind of crazy. Um, so anyways, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So one of the things that uh, was happening during the pregnancy was that I have an older son. He's 11. And uh, he was going back and forth between uh, two houses. His mother's house, our house, back and forth. And I don't know if anyone has... Does anyone here have to do this in their life? Okay, it is the most stressful thing ever for in one week for a kid to go back and forth between two homes. It was stressful for me, it was stressful for Karina, it was stressful for his mother, it was stressful for him. Everything about it was bad. And we kept trying different arrangements, it was all really bad. And it was getting more and more tense as he was getting older. But I had this idea that I'm the dad and we should have half the time. Half the time with the mother, half the time with the father. But I felt like he was like a knot and it was getting tighter and tighter and tighter. So it was really helpful with Matthew because I got to write about this a lot in emails to him, trying to like work this out. And then I was reading this part of the Dhammapada, this section here. Hostility can't be solved through hostility. And I saw this image of like two people pulling a knot, and the knot is the kid. So one day I said uh, to my son, you know what, this is crazy. You should go live with your mother. You shouldn't live here. Because like, when you were small, when you were five and six and seven, you should live here. Like, you shouldn't have a choice. You should go back and forth. But now the back and forth is not working anymore. So he lit up and he said, that is a great idea. (laughs) And my heart was completely broken. So I thought, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) That's not what you're supposed to say. The funny thing about the whole situation is everybody was so much happier. He was happier, she was happier. At some level it's terrible, but at another level, the whole thing is terrible. There's no way out of the terrible. And then everybody is not stressed anymore. But sometimes it's so hard to see that you're pulling on a rope. You know, I've got to have it this way, I've got to have it this way, I've got to have it this way. Well, you know, life is unfair. But you don't have to add on top of it the hostility of wanting it to be fair in your particular image of fair. But that's what I used to always say about his mother. 
why do you always have to have this idea of, you know? And then one day I said to myself, well, I have also have this idea. And you know what? I don't want to have so much stress in my life. So I'm going to let go of my side of the rope completely. And that's what I said to my son. I said, I'm letting go of my side of the rope. And now you're 11. You're not six. So now you decide. The door is always open to our house. Anytime you want to come here, you can come here. But you don't have to come here. And um, then, a few months later, I realized, I don't have to live in Toronto anymore. Maybe I don't even have to live in the city anymore. And then, that was the beginning of you know, possibly moving. It took a year to figure that out. But anyways, today is my day of doing group therapy with you. <laughs> Tomorrow, I am not going to talk about myself, and I'm going to make you talk to each other about the most intimate things. Because <laughs> this is ridiculous. And maybe some of you are not going to come back tomorrow because you're going to go home and people say, how was the workshop? Michael did not stop talking about his life. Every time we got to a new sentence, he just decided to use it as an opportunity for group therapy. And now he feels better and we all feel better. Because <laughs> we have to hold all of this for him. <laughs> the only reason why I was excited to come to Copenhagen was because I had to get all this off my chest. <laughs> I hope that you can reflect because these stories that I'm telling you, they're not my story, they're all of our stories. Every one of us is in this story. So we should think about where there's a lot of hostility in our heart. Because there's people who we just hate. And we love hating them. And we should withdraw our projection. Because it's so exhausting. And you can use that energy for other things. When I was feeling this way about uh, the tension in our households, I said to Karina, Karina, we're never having a baby. And she said, that's great. I don't want to have a baby. <laughs> and I said, I travel a lot. I just want you to travel with me and we're never going to have a baby. Okay? She said, deal. <laughs> and then as soon as we started to let go of this tension, you know, um, and give our son more power, then we both were like, we should have a baby. <laughs> you see what I mean? Sometimes it's like, you don't realize that, and, and I'm telling you all this also because the book's coming out and all this is in the book and it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but um, now you don't have to buy the book because actually that's how the book ends. I'll read you the ending tomorrow. We'll get it done. <laughs> the point is, is that um, there's so much creative energy that we have that's blocked up 
because we keep saying, he hit me, he beat me, he robbed me. You guys all have this story. You have to have that story. Sometimes you have to name really intense stuff. Right? When hard stuff happens, when violent things happen, you have to name it. And you have to hold on to it for a while until it's really in you. But then you have to let go of it. You can't keep talking about the person who insulted you. You have to stop. That's an order. <laughs> and one way you can do this is just take one line from that chant and really use it in your practice. Why only one line? Why only one line? Well, in some meta practices, you do all, well, there's different numbers in different traditions. But I, lately, I just teach one line. Like, pick one line and use it for all these people for a few months, right? Until you really get the meaning of that line. Just because it's so, it's so simple. It's so simple. You can get really concentrated. What were you going to say? That you've heard. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. somehow that's much stronger and more mm. like karmic and mm. also coming more than dreams. Yeah. So I just wonder yeah. if you have any I think if you hurt some something? if you hurt someone you should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> you should really feel bad. You know, like uh I got really interested one time in looking at all the references where the Buddha teaches his son. And the first teaching he gives to his son is his son, I forgot exactly what happened, but his son does something bad and then feels bad. I think he lied. And he comes to the Buddha and, you know, and he lied or whatever he did. And he tells the Buddha he feels bad. And the Buddha has an amazing response. He's like, you should feel bad. When you do something bad, you should feel bad. <laughs> That's the teaching. You should feel bad. But we add on to that. But you shouldn't feel bad about yourself for feeling bad. So what tends to happen is we feel bad, and then we think, I'm bad. And that's not the same thing. So I think if sometimes you're carrying around, oh, you know what, I feel bad about this thing that happened. That's really good. But if you feel bad about it, and then you feel badly about feeling bad about it, it's called shame, then um, there's some work to do there. And I'm assuming that when it comes back in dreams, it's not clean, like this thing that you did that you feel bad about, but like there's this tone in it where like, 
um, you have a negative view of yourself for doing what you've done. And that's the part we have to let go of. Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah. So to try and see that part. What's that? Shouldn't you let go at some point? I mean, you can't go the rest of your life feeling bad about something you did 20 years ago. Shouldn't you at some point say, okay, now I have to let it go and try to be a better person, but I let it go. Or should you go feeling bad all the time? In my life, there are stupid things I've done that I feel bad about. And I think I'll feel bad about them my whole life. But I don't feel bad about myself. I just feel bad about what happened. So what I've let go of is feeling bad about myself around it, which is kind of what we're getting into. But the feeling bad about something that happened is... Maybe you'll have a memory and you feel bad about it. But it's okay. There's no suffering around it. It's just feel bad about it. It's, it's become more clear because after the, the precept course, yeah. my setting is in the morning. Yeah. So um, this, like sometimes the dreams are like yeah, the dreams right are there, and yeah. that sitting. And yeah. I have just also been wondering that in the Buddhist tradition, yeah. if dreams are there, as something you relate to, or yeah. Well, maybe we'll get into that tomorrow, okay. because if you remind me. Because we're at the end of our time today, and I don't want to start talking about dreams too much, um, because I might screw up your sleeping patterns tonight. <laughs> so, would you like to finish chanting? Last year, we talked about maybe translating the chant. We did. Where is it? You've got it? Yes. Well, why don't you lead the chant? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Does anybody know it? Can you, can you do it? Not in English? Yeah. Yeah, you know the whole thing? I have it here. Oh, you've got it there? Uh, I have half of it. The, the rest got really wet. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the whole thing, Michael? Okay. Uh, Michael will lead us, and we'll call and respond. I'm actually just going to listen, and uh, we'll do the chant in Danish. That's okay. Maybe um, tomorrow we'll do it in Swedish, and then we'll do it in Lithuanian, and then Spanish, and then German, and then we're done. <laughs> Germans always get the last word. Liv og død er allerstørste betydning. Liv og død er allerstørste betydning. Tiden passerer hurtigt, og muligheder går tabt. Tiden passerer hurtigt, og muligheder går tabt. Lad os vågne op. Lad os vågne op.
alle levende væsener være fri for gammel og dårlig karma? Må alle levende væsener være fri for gammel og dårlig karma? Må vores tropper finde visdom og medfølelse? Må vores tropper finde visdom og medfølelse? 